Nicole, uh, Sister Troy, Sister Sutton, I'm sorry. It's still new and fresh. And actually, you can have this water today. I didn't open it. Oh, oh. You didn't drink from it, though, did you? I didn't open it. Oh, oh, you, you said you opened it. Okay. Okay, everybody. Whew, now that all that's out the way. Oh. So, everybody has notes. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to try to um, stick to the notes. I got my phone. We're on a time schedule, so I want to stick to that. But... Um, Thank you, Pastor Simpson, for all that you said. I can't take credit for any of that. What I can say is that since coming to Antioch, souls and, and witnessing and reaching out to people has really been a heartbeat. Not because of who I am, not because of anything special about me, but I just think it's something that God has laid on my heart so heavily. And, time, you know, it wax and wanes and things like that, and we come in and out of time periods where I focus more on it than, um, you know, other times. But I'm just saying that, this is this is close to me for many reasons, not just because, you know, I do it, but I just I believe so much in it. So I want you to take a moment and just think about how you came to God, you know, just just to yourself. Um, think about what avenues that that were that that you came, whether it be through your family members, maybe somebody was already coming to church or maybe it's your coworker, your neighbor, whomever it was that you connected to God and um, as for me, it was uh, Pastor Simpson's mother, um, Cheryl Haney, and it was through a Bible study. And so that's why Bible studies have been so close again to my heart is because that is how I came into know Jesus Christ is through a Bible study, not through necessarily originally attending the church service. So we have to really understand how valuable and important Bible study is to people. Now I'm doing a plug. <laughs> For Bible studies, but Bible study is so awesome because so many people that you deal with on a regular basis don't understand and don't know the word of God. They don't know it. And we take, you know, we take that for granted and we think that people don't want to know God and they, but in true, they, they do. They just need somebody to take the time to explain the word of God to them, which is what Sister Haney did for us years ago. And I remember it really being like an awesome experience. I didn't say anything in the Bible study. I sat with my arms crossed the whole time and really looked like I was unbothered by everything she was saying. But the Holy Ghost was moving on me, and I didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was at that time. You know, God was moving on me at that time by his word. So, um... Just one, I feel like this is such a great time to talk about witnessing and soul winning because of where we are as a body. We're all, you know, launching out. The, you know, the weather is changing. We're preparing to get out. We're changing some of our tactics up with the table talk. Um, so we're just, we're in a good, I think we're in a great place to, to revisit this. And this isn't, um, you know, information that you may not have heard before, but it's always good to have a refresher and to bring it back to the forefront of your mind again. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what it's all about. So, um, so in, in the midst of you thinking about how you came to God, I'm sure you realize that God involved people somehow to get you here. One way or another, God involved other people to get you here because God loves people and God cares for people. And the scripture says in 1 John 4 and 20, if, any, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So we have to understand that we have to have a love for people. You know, we can't say that we want, that we love God without having a love for people. And that brings me into the first, um, your first, um, bullet or your first letter there, which is be all things to all people, which, uh, first Corinthians nine is a very familiar passage of scripture with that. But I really want to key in on the fact that it's less about me and more about Jesus. It is um, learning to put my preferences, my opinions, my thoughts, my emotions aside when trying to reach somebody. Because there's things that I have, my own personal beliefs, that aren't necessarily scripture. It's just preference. And I think we get lost in that sometimes. We get lost when we're trying to reach somebody because we're so used to and accustomed to how we do things. Um, I had an example of this. One of my, one of a Bible study I taught a couple years ago, the lady, um, I'm not really good. I don't really like pets too much. Sorry for the pet lovers out there, but dogs and everything, I really don't do that too well. And this Bible study had to happen at this lady's home and she had dogs. 
As soon as I walk in the door, the dogs just like attack me and everything in me wants to be like, you know, get away, you know, kicking the dog or whatever. But I didn't. I was, I was just, I was holding it in and she was like, are the dogs okay? I'm like, yes, they're fine. And, and I, every, I can, I can smell the dogs. The dog is leaving, you know, hair on me and I'm just like, cringing the whole time but that's one of the examples of sometimes put your preferences aside put aside what you would like it to be and, and how you would like to have that bible study experience go and that i'm sure that means the world to that person that you're dealing with that you're putting some things aside to um to work with them so um, Paul said that uh, in verse 9 uh, 19 through 23 though i'm free and belong to no one i have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. This is the NIV, I'm sorry. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Those To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the laws, kind of wordy, but to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save or win some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So he was saying that he became all things without compromising. So we had to remember that part just because we're becoming weak because somebody is weak, doesn't mean that we compromise who we are. We go into that knowing exactly who we are and and having our purpose um, known to us and just becoming fluid, just just moving with that person, dealing with that person, but not losing ourselves in that exchange and in in that interaction. So um, next I have uh, be compassionate. And I have some scripture examples there for you. In Matthew, but in the scripture, Jesus had compassion on people. That's not anything new. Jesus had compassion on people. Those that he dealt with, he, he was moved with compassion. And that goes back to loving people. If you see a person's condition and it doesn't move you and it doesn't bother you, there's something wrong with that, especially when we have the spirit of God inside of us. We have another level of understanding and discernment. So we should be moved when somebody's condition is not the way that it should be spiritually. Um, but even naturally speaking, sometimes there, there are conditions that people find themselves in. And it's okay to empathize or sympathize with that. Not that we're coming to right all the wrongs in a person's life. But having compassion is even when they're going through something naturally. Even when they're going through some family problems. Even when they've lost their job. It is getting down to that person's level and being right eye to eye with them in that, in that circumstance or in that situation. So Jesus' compassion always caused him to act. So if we look at Matthew, uh, verse, um, chapter nine, verses 20, I'm sorry, 36 through 37. Um, and I'm just going to skim some of these. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. In Matthew 14 and 14, he landed, um, and saw a large crowd and he can, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then Matthew fifteen thirty two, his disciples and him, I'm sorry, his disciples to him, wait a minute. Then Jesus called his, thank you, Brother Fox. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for this crowd because they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may faint along the way. So even Jesus had compassion because people didn't eat. Okay, so that's, again, that's a natural thing. It's a natural thing. So again, I'm just putting perspective on the fact that sometimes it may not be always spiritual things that you're picking up on. It may be some natural things that you're trying to connect with somebody and identify with. And um, so then I want to take some time to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. So the scripture is referenced on your sheet, but not the whole, the scripture is not written out. Um, so this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. So Consider Jesus' parable about the Good Samaritan. In this passage, um, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And then you have the expert in the law. This is somebody who's well-versed in the scripture, somebody who knows things and and, um, knows what they're talking about, basically, and turns to Jesus and said, who is my neighbor? 
Jesus shares an account with that man about a man who was attacked by robbers, beaten and left for dead. A priest and a Levite walked past the man, but the good Samaritan stopped and helped. The good Samaritan bandaged the wounds, the man's wounds, and took him to an inn to recover. Jesus then asked the expert, which of the three men was a neighbor? The man answered, the one who had uh, mercy or compassion on him. And Jesus's response to that was, go and do likewise. So, Again, understanding that that was all a natural experience. The man was beaten. He was robbed. He was left for dead. And he had compassion on that. But we can also translate that to the spirit. When somebody has been robbed in the spirit, somebody has been beaten in the spirit, somebody has been worn down in the spirit, and we have compassion on that. So the script, so Jesus' response to that, all you need to remember is go and do likewise. That is your neighbor. Whoever that person is that you identify that is spiritually hurting, that is naturally hurting, that person is your neighbor. So, um, and the question that I had was, was the priest and, and the Levite too focused on religious duties to have time to stop? You know, that's one thing. Sometimes we get so busy in stuff that we're doing that we're too busy. It's like, I see somebody hurting, but I don't have time to stop and minister and deal with them. Was the priest and the Levite too, too consumed with the customs of that day that the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans, according to John 4 and 9? Was it tradition? Was it religion that held them back and put them in a corner and caused them to say, oh, well, we don't have time to deal with that? So, again, what, is, what keeps us from reaching out to people? Um, so anyway, we must get past our traditions. We must get past our comfort zones. And again, this doesn't mean that we're always meeting a person's financial, physical, or natural need. We can always, always, always offer prayer to a person, a word of encouragement, a helping hand, or a listening ear sometimes. Sometimes people just need somebody to talk to, you know. Um, I had actually, I didn't plan on sharing this, but I have an example of this currently at my job now. Um, there's one gentleman at my job, one guy, and... Um, I, I noticed some things. We've had some conversations about Jesus. He love he loves God and and everything. But you can tell that there's some issue. And we've had a conversation about this. This is how I know that God is allowing me to speak to him and identify some things with him. And you know, to the point that he's he's teared up. You know, in our conversations because he understands that there's more that needs to happen and it's not happening. And when it com- when he comes to work, you can tell. But if you're not in the spirit, you're just like, what's wrong with this person? You know, why is he acting like that? But this is almost every day there's something transpiring. And I'm sitting like, oh, goodness, you know, because I know that he needs. And we've had a conversation about the Holy Ghost, but, you know, I, I dropped it and left it there. But the point is that sometimes we have to get beyond where we are and then don't be so focused on meeting the need right then and there. I'm just dropping seeds to him right now. I'm just giving some things to him right now, identifying, okay, he's hurting. So I'm not going to respond to how he's responding to me, but just working with that person, just, just being with that person, identifying it. And, um, and honestly, within the first week of me working there, he shared so much about himself and his life and on and on and on. And that brings me back to that point of a listening ear. Sometimes people just really need somebody to to pour into and then and then somebody like you guys who has the spirit of God who can lead them to the word who can point them to Jesus who can show them how to have peace so they can know that they can they don't have to be um weighed down by the problems that they have so um Anyway, we need to be prepared to stop for people and point them to Jesus in the midst of their situations. And I've had several, you know, Bible studies that I've had and just interactions with people that I've had where people have been going through certain things. And um, maybe they needed food. Maybe they needed a companion. Maybe they were in the hospital. And it's just really just being there for that person. You don't always have to, you know, sick and shut in. No, we maybe maybe we don't have time to go through the sick and shut in ministry. Maybe you just have time to run to the store and grab something because you have it and you want to and you want to help. I'm not saying that you have to, but I'm just saying get out of the conventional ways of being there for somebody and don't make it all about trying to get somebody to be saved right then and there. But establish that relationship, which um, 
actually brings me to the next number C or letter C is establishing relationships. Um, and that's learning to be friendly and develop relationships can go a long way. We forget this very simple concept because we focus on the person's need to be saved. But we cannot bypass the nature of humanity to save people because Jesus didn't do that. So Jesus stopped for people. Jesus gave um, parables even of situations and circumstances of natural um, processes. I'm pointing to one of our Bible study students, Renisha, because we talked about parables today and she gave an awesome answer. But Jesus was connected to the natural things. That's what I'm saying by that. Um, and again, I'm trying to follow you guys and follow my notes. So one second. Okay. So Jesus spoke in parables using natural processes and common life circumstances to help people understand spiritual concepts. He connected with them at their level. And um, relationship building is not an overnight process. It requires time, effort, patience, and wisdom. So again, when you reach out to somebody, don't reach out to them with the intention of, okay, within a month, if they're not attending my small group, then flush them, you know, for lack of a better term. I actually had a recent, I don't want to go on rabbit trails, but I did have a recent encounter with someone, again, at the job. We were in the community. I was shadowing somebody on an experience um, on, a, on a center, visiting a center, and it was a mother and a daughter running the center. And while I was in there, the Lord was like, you know, pricking me, saying, reach out to the daughter, reach out to the daughter. And I was shrugging it off. No, Lord, I'm in the, I'm, I'm shadowing. I'm at work. I can't do that right now. Plus, I don't have any cards in my purse. <laughs> Excuses. So um, anyway, I get to my car and I remember that I have cards in my car. And so the Lord was like, you got cards in the car. And I was like, "Ooh, I do have cards in the car. So I got my car and I ran back in there and I um, went to get the daughter, but she wasn't available. She was in the bathroom. I gave the car to the mother. I said, I just need to give this to your daughter. I explained who, what, I, what I was doing and why. That was on a Monday, y'all. On a Thursday, after that same week, after church service, I get a call at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, who's this calling me? I thought it was one of you guys calling me. So, of course, I answered the phone. Um, <laughs> so I answered the phone and it was the lady, but she thought that I was someone else. My name is Nicole, very common name. So she thought I was, uh, Nicole from her program, one of the parents. And as I'm explaining, I was like, no, that's not who I am. And she was like, oh, this is my sister, Nicole. And I was like, no, I'm not your sister in that way. But, um, and then finally, by the third try, she was like, oh, it's that Nicole. Because I didn't get to give her the car. She was like, my mom gave me your car, and I stored your number in my phone because I did want to call you. But she was like, I didn't mean to call you tonight. Needless to say, we talked for 45 minutes. She did most of the talking, might I say. She talked and talked and talked about God and about Jesus and how she wants to connect and she needs to connect. And this went on for a little while. And, and I'm sitting on the phone amazed because I'm like, you weren't supposed to call me. Okay. Um, and then she even said, I believe, you know, this is a divine, you know, connection. I, I don't know how I ended up calling you. So long story short, she's supposed to be coming to our small group. She's supposed to have, have come already. She hasn't made it. But I said, you know what? If you can't make it a small group, let's get some coffee or something. She just like lit up. Yes, we have to do that. She called me Saturday. out of just, just calling to call. No reason. Just, hey, I just wanted to check in and see how you were doing and, you know, what's going on? What's good that's going on? Can you tell me a testimony? This is what she's asking me. And I, and I shared about small group. I shared that we talked about reaching Jehovah Witnesses. She was so impressed by that. She was like, oh, my gosh, that is so awesome. I really need to come visit the group. So anyway, we're working on establishing a relationship before she comes in the door, before she gets a Bible study. Before she comes to a small group. So that's what I'm talking about relationship building. And that takes time with people. So don't be in a rush when you're relationship building and we're trying to establish friendships. So um, back to being wise about that. Um, you have two uh, scripture references, Proverbs 11 and Matthew 10. And both of them said, well, talk about being wise. The one is the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that one of souls is wise. And Matthew 10, behold, I send you forth as sheep. In the midst of wolves, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And that word wise, according to Strong's in Hebrews, means skillful, crafty, learned, prudent, or subtle. 
In the Greek, it means prudent, intelligent, thoughtful, discreet. And my favorite one is having practical skill. I think that is important. When we're trying to reach and connect with people, we have to learn how to have practical skill in our approach towards people. And be, and be crafty. Go outside of the box. Think outside of the box when you're trying to connect with someone. So um, next we are on be a testifying witness for Jesus. So we actually talked about this as small group this week, and that is when a crime happens or when something occurs, usually there, and Chris gave this example when he was um, teaching, that usually there are witnesses. Usually there are witnesses to the crime or to the incident that happened. But not everybody wants to speak up. So a good witness in our case is one that's a testifying witness. A good witness is one that actually speaks about their experiences and their encounters. So we all are witnesses of the goodness of God and, you know, his, his um, love, his salvation in our lives. But are we saying that? Are we giving credence to God and value to God and credibility to God by talking about our testimony? So a good witness is one that is testifying. Um, and, and when I said that there, we are the witnesses of the goodness of God. We are witnesses in attitude, lifestyle, conversation, and conduct. And me and Renisha were just talking about that, too, because she's trying to reach somebody. And she's like, he doesn't. Can I share that? Okay. He, she, we j- literally just had this conversation. She's trying to reach someone who said they don't believe. And she was like, how do you reach somebody when they just kind of flat out say they don't believe? And I said, well, I think one of the, the main things is to pray for that person. You know, pray for that person's heart and everything, but also lifestyle and conduct. You know, as God begins to do things in your life and you're connected to that person, they're going to see that. And so sometimes the best way to win people is through your lifestyle. So um, God has given us power to be witnesses through the Holy Ghost. There's no need for us to hide or be afraid. When we do, we limit one of the greatest tools that Jesus ever gave or, or had us to use, and that is us. We are one of the greatest tools. Um, and the scripture in, in Acts 8, I'm sorry, 1 and 8 talks about, but ye shall receive power after that Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. You don't have to be afraid to be a witness. That's another thing. Don't be afraid to speak out. A lot of times we feel like we're in this dark world and, and people don't want Jesus. Nobody. I think they do want Jesus. I really, really do. I think that they're looking for somebody to say something. I have another test, something that just happened this week with a young lady from Georgia. She shared a, a brief testimony about how her sister was has an apostolic background, but is not, you know, currently living that lifestyle right now and was on a campus and was walking past two girls that looked like they were apostolic. But she was like, when they walked past her, their eyes went, they diverted their eyes somewhere else and they didn't look at her. And she went home feeling very discouraged about that encounter. She brought, you know, she personalized it and made it seem like they were looking down on her, so to speak. But the point of that is, is that you can't be afraid to speak out because of what somebody might, you might think somebody doesn't want it. You, they walk past that girl not understanding that she has an apostolic background. She, she, she knows about the, uh, the presence of God and the spirit of God. But they didn't reach out to her probably because of the way that she looked, the way that she was dressed. So just because of how somebody looks or how somebody acts or whatever, we don't need to be afraid of reaching out to them. God has given you the power to be a witness. God has given you the ability to speak out to people. So um, maybe make that, maybe challenge yourself, you know, challenge yourself and say, you know, once a week or once a day, I'm going to, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to try, I'm going to open my mouth and tell somebody whether I'm at the grocery store or I'm at the laundromat, wherever you might be, I'm going to tell somebody about the Lord. So um, one way that God uses us is leading us to tell our testimony And our testimony is our unique account of how we came to know and follow Jesus. But no one can take this from us. We overcome by the word of our testimony. So that is Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I didn't want to take a moment to describe the word word right there in word of their testimony. Means of speech, what someone has said or uttered by a living voice. 
Therefore, you need to speak out. The word of your testimony is uttered by a living voice. You have to put voice to your testimony. You have to give it life. It can't just stay in you. When it comes out of you, it is like a fire onto somebody else. And they're like, really? God could do such a thing? So I'm bring, again, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but it's, it never gets old because I don't think we're all, any of us are where we want to be when it comes to winning souls and reaching out to people all the time. I don't think we're always where we want to be and maybe not always where God wants us to be. So it's always good to evaluate where don't, am I speaking out? Am I afraid? You know, just just acknowledge those things. Get into the word, pray, and, and make some conscious decisions and some goals, some efforts to get beyond that. So, um, moving on. Let's see. Where are we? Okay. So, one thing I also want to talk about, about testifying, the word of your testimony. Is it hot in here? Oh, it's just me? Interesting. Um, <laughs> so... The art of testifying, though, is to know what parts to share. So I did, did want to talk briefly about that because sometimes everybody doesn't need to know everything that you've been through um, because some things don't really come off positive depending on the person that you're talking to. And so you don't want your message of power and all, you know, the goodness of God to get lost in the midst of whatever it is that you're saying. So when we share our testimony, we have to bring, you know, we, we bring glory to God and we honor God, but know what to share. And in the scripture, there are some accounts and you have that on your handout. You have the scriptures written down as um, two scriptures in Mark, Mark 5 and 20, Mark 4 and 39, and then Matthew 9 and 30 through 31. And they talk about what people did when Jesus did something for them. These are examples in the scripture. When Jesus did something for them, what did they do? So Jesus heals the demon-possessed man of legions, and what was his response? In Mark 5 and 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, Decapolis, thank you, Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. So when God did something for, for him, he responded by telling others. In Mark 4 and 39, Jesus talks with the woman at the well about her life and tells her that he is the Messiah. Her response, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So again, when they had an encounter with Je- when she had an encounter with Jesus, she told everyone. This one is my favorite, the last one, Mark 9, I'm sorry, Matthew 9. Jesus heals two blind men and their response And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly. See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. So even though Jesus told them, shh, don't say anything about what I did. They just couldn't contain themselves and tell somebody about what Jesus did for them. So don't contain it. Just tell somebody about the goodness. And again, you don't have to tell your whole testimony. Some people, the thought of it like, oh, God did so much for me. Just when you zero in on that piece that somebody may need to know and share that part. So um, these are some helpful hints when sharing your testimony. Some of this we already went over. Stay on track. Don't spider web or go on rabbit trails. We don't want the message to get lost. Be honest and be open. Don't tell it all unnecessarily. Be led about what God wants to, what about, be led about God of what to say and how. I'm sorry. Be sensitive to what a person needs to hear. Make the punchline clear being sure to explain what God did that changed you in your life. Never end on a negative note and make sure your testimony gives hope. Reiterate that God is no respecter of persons. He can do for them what he did for you. Okay, so now we're on E, which is reach one and impact many. So I really like this because sometimes we're intimidated by reaching out because we feel like we have to reach the whole world and reaching lost souls. It's like a sea of lost people. Where do you start? You know, where do you begin with reaching out to somebody? But we are not called to reach the whole world the way that we think. 
Okay, so I, from my position, may not be called to reach the 7 billion or however many are in the world, but I can start with my, my circle, my job, my coworkers, my family, my friends. Um, Jesus may call some people to reach the masses, maybe like a pastor or an evangelist, but maybe he's calling some of you to reach the one. The one is so valuable. I love the one. I love the one. The one is so valuable and important to God. And one over time and over time and over time becomes more than one. So if you can focus on one, pour into one, two years, that may be two. Three years, that might be four. You know, that one can turn into masses. And not that any one is, is more important than the other because God cared about both. So, um, moving on to some actual examples of that, which you have on your paper listed at number three, reaching one could mean impacting many. I'm actually going to go over some accounts in the scripture, some scriptural examples. Um, God sent Paul to, to reach many different areas, Asia, Macedonia, Greece. Um, God sent Jonah to a city. God sent Paul, I'm sorry, Peter to the house of Cornelius to reach his family and friends. God sent Philip to an Ethiopian eunuch, which was one person. And then God allowed Aquila and Priscilla to reach out to Apollos. So just remember that it's not based on how many. It's just based on doing it. It's not based on trying to reach the entire Baltimore city. It's not based on, based on trying to reach the entire Baltimore County or Essex or Rosedale or Hartford County. Find one. And I think that is valuable to God. So, you have some scripture references under there for you. You can read those um, at a later time. But we should always be prepared to give an answer of the hope with, that is within us. We know that. Also, don't be intimidated by what you don't know. That's another thing. People sometimes, okay, you're not a licensed minister. You haven't gone through the Bible study chart all 12 weeks yet. You're not a um, um, specific Bible study teacher. But you can study on your own. You can study the scripture on your own, and you can become confident in what you do know. Don't be so um, concerned about what you don't, what you don't know. But be confident about what you do know and share that. Share what it is that you do know. And the scripture does say to study, your, um, to study to show yourself approved. If you want to know more, you can study and you can, call, you can create that if that's what you want. The bare minimum, you should know the gospel message, though. Bare minimum. <laughs> so, um, and lastly for that section, don't fear rejection. That's another biggie. And um, that's one thing that I'm personally learning myself is stop taking things so personally. Like, you know, get out of taking things. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hot, y'all. Um, it is hot? Okay. Mara said it's hot. Okay. Um, so don't fear rejection. If somebody rejects you, you're in line with the scripture. They rejected Jesus. You're all right. Everything is all right. Okay. Pick up. And keep on moving. Don't be afraid of somebody saying, no, I'm not interested. Or no, I don't believe. You know, just keep moving. Rejection will come. Um, We are not the ones that are being truly rejected. It is Jesus and his word. But regardless of that, we should go anyway. We should continue to reach anyway. Continue to reach out, reach out, reach out. And um, the more that you reach out, the more probability you have of somebody saying yes. If you reach out five times and everybody says no, 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 maybe it's the sixth time that somebody says yes. I mean, just keep reaching. Just keep trying. People are like, oh, how do you get Bible studies? I, you know, I just want, there's one young lady that's coming here now. Again, her name is Yasmin. And um, I've known Yasmin now for four years, I think, actually going on five. But the encounter that we had to even connect with her, that I had to connect with her, wasn't anything super spiritual. It was my car broke down, her car broke down, and we happened to be on the bus together. And that day when I walked out of my house, I said, somebody's going to hear about Jesus today. You know, I was encouraging my own self and saying, somebody's going to hear about the Lord today. Somebody on this MTA bus is going to hear about Jesus. 
And so I got on the bus and there she was. And it didn't start off as necessarily a spiritual conversation. It was just being friendly, you know, especially now, even years later, people being friendly is like, you know, that's something that's people are not used to that. So let's show God and be friendly to people. And you never know that could be your Bible study right there sitting in front of you. So um, anyways, four years later now for her and she's, and she's coming back around to things. And again, even with that, there's a message in that, that you never give up on people. You know, she, you know, we had Bible study for a while, you know, she went away. She's, she's, you know, doing different things, doing different things. She was going to church and everything, but now she's coming back. And it's like, and she is realizing God is wanting to do something in me. I, I'm feeling like I need to um, connect to Antioch. And she gave such an awesome compliment to this church as well. Um, she said, I just love Antioch. I love the people. I love what I feel there, the love that I feel from the people. So never um, give up on people and never feel like you have to be so super spiritual when you're reaching out. Just, just reach out to someone. Okay, you guys, um, last two, and this is, this is, um, I think the last, the second to last one is, is one of the most important, and that is pray for people. So we have to pair any evangelism efforts that we're doing and seed sowing with constant prayer and faith. And that was a message that already was preached this past Sunday about prayer and getting back into prayer and not just speaking a couple words, but really praying for these people that we're reaching out to speak their names. We've gotten into a habit of writing down prayer needs to remember them because people always ask you to pray for them. So just write those things down and bring those things before God. We should also have faith to see people baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost before it happens. In your prayer mind, in the mind of your spirit, you know, you need to have that, that already, ha- you need to see that. Thank you for saying, you need to see that happening for them. And that is, that is your faith. Um, pray that God will soften their heart and open their eyes. Pray for the people you meet. Get the person's name that you meet on the bus stop. Get the coworker's name. Um, pray for the neighbors and the unsaved family members and those that are backslidden. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the God of this age have blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So understand that these people's minds are blind to truth. They need prayer for that to be opened up to them, for that um, those blinders to come off their eyes. Also, intercede and stand in the gap. Let me get on to y'all because I'm, I'm reading my notes. Let me get on to y'all. Pray for the people you meet. Okay, pray against the works of the enemy. Intercede and pray for direction and sensitivity and strategy. So these are also things that you can pray for. God may not give you the handbook before you go out, but at least you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be seeking after somebody to reach, to, reach out to today. You may not get all the instructions right then and there, but I think half the battle is the want to. Half the battle, or maybe even more of the battle sometimes, is the want to. But the Bible says that it is him that worketh in us to will and to do his good pleasure. So not just that you want to do it, but that you actually do it. God is wanting that and working that in you. So, um... And also have on here pray, which is something that Pastor Simpson had mentioned several times um, a while back was pray for God to lead us to those that should be saved. And the scripture does mention that. So here's some practical hints for you when reaching out to people. These are some things that I just kind of notice sometimes when we're in our own little way, in our own little bubble. Sometimes we kind of forget that how we look and appear sometimes can cause people to be standoffish towards us. Um, So smile. First of all, you want to smile. But also you want to put down your phone, take your earphones out and remain alert and open. In this generation where, you know, social media and everything, people you can have, you have your hoodie on, you got your earphones in, you know, you go into the store. It is, don't say anything to me. That's what that says. Without saying it, you've said it. And the truth of the matter is if you want to break those barriers, you need to be open. Maybe try that. You know, something simple as that. Look for opportunities to meet people at the store, at your job, on the bus. Engage in small talk. You'll get a long way. Pastor Simpson talks about that, too. Just being in the line or being at the McDonald's and just small talking with people. Don't be don't be critical. You catch more bees with honey than you do vinegar. (laughs) Don't be critical of people. Don't be a know-it-all. Even if you do know more, be sensitive and not overbearing. The truth is you do know more. You know, you know more than the average person, but you don't have to be a know-it-all all the time because that is offstanding. 
that is off-putting to people because um, I, I was sharing this with somebody recently that when you look like that, it's like then others that don't know as much feel intimidated by saying anything because it doesn't measure up to what you're saying. So let them find out that you know more later on. Okay? So um, don't be over-spiritual. Don't use church jargon or biblical terms that people may not understand at the onset or may not be able to relate to. And there's some examples there for you. Be be an example because people are watching and get a form of contact for the people that you meet. The last one is be persistent. And I actually had a statistic that on my notes that I wanted to say. And that was um, I looked up some statistics for sales and sales statistics say it takes an average of eight cold calls before reaching an actual prospect, just a prospect. Okay, then 80% of sales require five more follow-up calls after that initial contact. So let's learn to be more persistent. Sometimes you need to continue to reach out. You need to continue to call. You need to continue to be there for a person before you will actually get a response from them. Okay, or continue to reach before you get that prospect. When we go to do our door knocking, you might have to knock 50 doors before you get inside of one house. And that is okay. And we had had a testimony about that too. I'm not going to share But just one last door during an evangelism effort resulted in a Bible study, a lady being filled with the Holy Ghost and receiving and um, being baptized in Jesus name. It was our very last. We're like, let's just knock one more. And that was it. And at that time, I think we probably knocked about 30 doors, 30 or 40 doors. So just don't give up. Just continue reaching out. That's that's it. Praise God. Amen. Uh, I'm going to speak to a couple of things she addressed. Uh, The one is, we all have a tendency, just by human nature, to size people up based on their outward appearance. We were truthful to that matter, and we look for uh, association um, by a person's outward appearance that we can connect and reach them. And uh, you may not always uh, be able to tell from the outside. Now, some of some people wrap, wrap it up like it's uh, the North Pole. I bumped the temperatures down one degree because she was hot. That, <laughs> but anyway, we'll we'll bump it. We'll get it right. But we 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 can do that and, and miss. I think we miss a lot of people. People that are hungry, thirsty, or people that should be saved. Because we're looking at the external man. We had a gentleman that uh, came to the last um, session uh, for the pause session. He's uh, from the Seattle, Washington area um, in the uh, city of Yakima. Some say Yakima, but it's Yakima. Um, And um, he was in the prison system for a number of years, and it's my understanding that he was head honcho. He has tattoos from here all the way down. And um, he came to the the session, and uh, the, the, the conference was most, mostly apostolics who've been around the apostolic movement for a while, seasoned people, licensed ministers, preachers, pastors, bishops, and things of that nature, and women who have honed their external appearance by years of cultivation. And now we look on the outside to size up a person 
and he could sense and feel it. He knew it. And he felt so out of place, he told me during that meeting. I went to him, I saw him, and I watched him for a couple of days. And I encouraged him to participate and to plug in. He said, you just don't know. He said, I feel that. And if other people come into church or want to come into church and they look like me, I'm afraid that people are going to respond to them based on how they appear and look. And I began to talk to him about what I felt that God was sharing with me concerning him, to him to be able to push past that and allow God to use him because God had a work in his life. And began to share with him, I'm not going to get into the details, and, and then the bishop called him up and began to pray for him, and he had a tremendous breakthrough. Found out he got back home, and he's been just on fire for God. Was able to go past that. In the day and the hour we live in, folks, people are going to be coming in, and they are coming in, in all shapes, sizes, and forms, and they have all sorts of stuff, and we are going to need to look past that in order for them to be delivered, set free. That was, that was a valuable, valuable point you made. We, we, we have to look past the external so we can reach these people. Last she didn't really stay there. These were great, folks. Please take this on. Please don't leave these in your seats. We, and I say we, I should just say I, need to learn how to get a number. Because we often give our cards. We're looking for our cards. I'm, I'm with you there. we I'm always searching my little part for I keep keep my cards. I got to keep them in my pocket and then flip them out. But if you can, if we can get some, uh, ex, you know, exchange information, and that person gives you information, and we call them, and again, several or number of calls. So never say our follow up system. We calling the person too much, getting on their nerves. The survey or study show you have to continue to call people a lot of times in many cases or whatever because we are busy. They are busy. And just because they don't answer or respond on the first call or two or they're busy in that time or whatever, and you say, well, they don't want God because I, I called them and they're busy. You're busy, too. And you want God even though you're busy. Last statement. I've told it before. I received a number for a a follow-up of a young lady. She was a Jehovah's Witness. uh, But she desired, from what I was told, to find a, uh, a deeper relationship in God. And I tried for two years to reach this this lady and get a Bible study and talk to her, whatever the case may be. And for two years, it was one thing after another. And after two years in, I picked the phone up and was like, you know what? This is the last time. Because I would go through my phone book and just call people and whatever. And this was the last time I was going to. Well, lo and behold, the last time that I, I had I had given up on her before. I had given up on her after a year, and I kept on going. But the minute it was like, okay, this is it. It's like two years. 
Two years, she, that proves she doesn't want anything from God. Now, I didn't call her every, you know, day and every week and, you know, I didn't let her distract me from everything. But, but she, lo and behold, she answered the phone, we set something up, went to pray with her, prayed her through to the Holy Ghost. She got out of the uh, Jehovah's Witness faith, became uh, one of us. Uh, and uh, wind up baptizing, I think, four or five people from her family. And a couple of people received the Holy Ghost. And uh, struggled a little bit, and we went to go pray for her. Felt like she needed something, prayed her back through. And a week after she was prayed back through, she was a victim of an innocent. She was a... She was a victim of, and, a, and she was a bystander, victim of a, a stray bullet. And uh, obviously she, she passed away. But what if I didn't persist? Was it worth two years of trying to reach out to her? What I'm saying is, folks... Um, there are people out there do, do, I'm, not, I'm not here saying everyone wants God everyone doesn't want God that's a fact but there are people out there who should be saved and God has given us some appointments like he gave her to meet with Yasmin on the bus he caused her, I ain't going to say he caused but that car broke down what an opportunity Amen. We complain about those things, but stuff like that happened. We need to tell God why. Why? Won't you stand, please, so you can get warm? I'm going to bump it up. So, Sister Nicole, you know how I feel up here when I'm saying I'm hot and everybody else saying they're cold. 